You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're all getting ejected here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at LockedOnPHXSuns, and you can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. Coming to you right after the Suns' 114-104 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers, moving them to 23-11 on the season, 12-5 on the road, and sole possession of second place, not in the West, but overall in the NBA standing. The second best team in the NBA right now, your Phoenix Suns. An excellent night, of course. A 10-point win over a rival in a chippy game in which Devin Booker got ejected. We're diving into all of it. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the ejection, but also just how Booker is called, how he is officiated, why this issue persists. Going to break down some of the other positives in this game, especially Dario Saric and the uh, overall defense. Just the ability to take care of business, I think, is a big part of this, similar to the Minnesota and Chicago games. And then we will close out with our typical closing segments, namely Bridges Breakout Watch. And I'll give you my new name for the Dario Saric updates that we have to talk about tonight. But if you're new here to celebrate this Lakers win with me, welcome Hope you'll hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. My name, as I said at the top, is Brendan Clean. I'm the host here. I cover the Suns and the NBA at Forbes, SB Nation, and Dime Magazine. And I'm here for you every single Monday through Friday, first thing in the morning to get you caught up on the latest Suns news, action, reaction, whatever is here for us to talk about. And in this case, it's a massive win. 114-104 again is the score. Devin Booker gets ejected. Let's dive into that. Two technical fouls. And the first of which was a uh, thrown ball sort of at the referee. Not, you know, to harm. But of course, we do see that. As ticky-tack frustrating as it maybe can be, it makes some sense. That is sometimes what technical fouls get called for. Fine. The second one being sort of a frustrated call toward the general direction of the referee. I I don't even know how to describe it to you. And anyone who watched or has seen the clip going around on Twitter will understand that it's hard to even put into words. I, I don't I don't even know what to say happened. But the end result is that Devin Booker got ejected in the third quarter and was not with the team, was not on the floor for the final uh, 18 or so minutes. I don't have the exact minute total. He finished with 24 minutes, and it felt like it might be the turning point of the game. Uh, We'll get into why it was not the turning point of the game here in a moment, but it, it just begs the question of how Devin Booker tends to get calls uh, in this league and and in these games you know this is coming off for all of us having just watched this Hornets game in which at the buzzer on a three-point attempt that Booker cleanly got off in time and 
was fouled on. I think fairly definitively. The last two minutes report that the league puts out, Booker, that call was in there. Booker was fouled by Gordon Hayward, a slap on the wrist on a three-point attempt against Charlotte that would have given the Suns a chance to win that game. They do not win it. Of course, that foul, you know, he would have had to make the free throws. I'm, I'm not ignoring all of that. It's just not really the point. The point is, you can see where Devin Booker's frustration comes from, why he is constantly going at it with referees. It's funny because this game up to that point, and by the way, it was the 7-10 mark of the third quarter, just to be specific here, up to that point, he had been chippy with, this was a, a physical, you know, playoff-like atmosphere game in the first place, which is interesting because the Lakers are one of becoming quickly one of the only teams that do not have uh, fans in the building. But nevertheless, um, we are seeing that Booker, the rest of the Suns, even the rest of the Lakers were very uh, ag- aggressive, physical, whatever word you want to use. This this was not the first moment in the game in which this happened. And I had tweeted actually saying that it would be nice in the second half of the season to see less of this. And in an instant, I think my perspective on it changed because I was reminded of not only that Hornets call, now this new controversy, but at the same time, on top of all of that, uh, also just many times in the past where Booker has not gotten the benefit of the doubt and is not called. I'm on Locked On today on Wednesday for those of you listening. Then you can check out that little Bite, but the way that I put it is this is a player, a superstar scorer who is hardly officiated like one. And I can understand even further than that why, in a game where he's playing against LeBron James, who is the most lackadaisically called superstar player that I've ever seen, and, and I think one of the most um, players who gets the most calls in his favor that we've ever seen in this league. To, to play against him tonight, I think you have to think about when you're analyzing this ejection on the part of Booker because to be in his position, have two free throw attempts in 24 minutes and watch as LeBron James um, is able to, to wield such a massive influence over the referees. I'm not saying LeBron went to the free throw line a ton. That's not really the metric to look at here necessarily. He only got there five times, but we know LeBron has that type of of influence over the referees. And so I can see how that was partic- would be particularly frustrating. The other thing we just know about Devin Booker is this is a player who, like I said, a superstar scorer who is not officiated like a superstar. And that bears itself almost every time he goes to the rim. You know, I think it often feels like Booker is more likely to get called for a charge than he is to get called for free throws. And how many players can you say that about in the league or a no call? Like he just does not get the benefit of the doubt in those moments. This ejection was not a shooting foul decision with Booker attempting a shot. I I get that. But when you watch Booker and you're often, at least I am, I'm often sitting there and it, it can be frustrating just as a viewer, separate fandom that, that you might have or, you know, me trying to be a third party as a journalist a little bit. It's just annoying, you know, sometimes when the referees insert themselves and then a player is getting frustrated and that consumes the basketball game. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun TV. That was a lot of the chorus of noise that I saw on Twitter 
after this ejection was, you know, the referees are an issue. Adam Silver, get get control of this. This is killing the game, whatever. I'm not going to get into all of that, but it does just suck sometimes. So I'm not going to say that Booker is always right to let it devolve into that. I do think he's done a better job this year of not letting it get there. But then when you take a step back, you just see that Booker is the subject of this so, so often. Uh, he does not get shooting fouls called on him the way that I think we all observe he should, that he has earned the right to do so with, there's a skill to it. We know that he's added that to his game. He has the tricks. He has the 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 ability to absorb contact, the ability to milk that a little bit, not flop, but just draw attention to the foul. All of those little tricks that superstar players have. Booker has them and he still doesn't get it. So you add that frustration you add, you know, this Hornets call just last week, the last time the Suns lost a game, and then you add the back-to-back technical fouls that were called on him in that moment. It just has to be frustrating, and it just does not make a lot of sense. Fortunately, Suns still go go into the fourth quarter and win this game, outscoring the Lakers by seven in the final frame. So I guess at the end of the day, no harm, no foul. Yes, it's two more technicals on Booker's ledger. I'm not anticipating that will be too much of an issue. More than anything, it's just another indication that come playoff time, it's going to be an open question how Devin Booker gets called and how he gets officiated and whether the Suns can rely on him getting the calls that we know superstar players should get. He has not demonstrated that that's going to happen. It is what it is. We will monitor it as we go along. It did not bite the Suns tonight. So we'll dig into why it went so well without Booker in the game and how they capped off this victory over the Lakers. But first, a quick break to tell you about the friends that we have over at CBDMD. March is National Sleep Month, and as the official CBD of a good night's sleep, our good friends at CBDMD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your nighttime routine, and there's nothing more calming than a nice, hot bath. To go along with it, CBD bath salts. Fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. Choose from lavender or eucalyptus scents or a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. While CBD bath bombs provide a refreshing, relaxing bath experience by combining 100 milligrams of CBD with essential oils, Epsom salt, and calming natural scents to help you soak away the day. CBD bath bombs, guys, are no joke. They have that little bit of edge to just chill you out. In addition to those other ingredients, the CBD really does a good job to make a relaxing experience even more relaxing. To make it even easier to regroup and recharge, CBDMD is offering all of our Locked On listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Back here with the positives from the Suns 114-104 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers, a rivalry game. What 98-7 here locally tabbed the most important, biggest game of the Sun season so far. I don't know if with the Lakers' absences that that quite panned out, but nevertheless, a statement victory, and especially for what it meant in the standings, a pretty massive uh, blow to this, uh, this rivalry, I guess. A new chapter of it. We'll see how it pans out the rest of the year, but definitely a nice 
tick mark in the Suns column to start off with. Before we get any further into the positives, though, guys, I want to remind you to listen to Locked On Today, our newest show on the network, national show. Peter Bukowski, our wonderful host there, gets you ready every single morning with the storylines, scores, updates that you need to get ready for the day in sports, as well as get that debate in, the cue of the day. Best of all, on Wednesday, for those of you listening today, I'm on the show giving a Suns perspective after this big win over the Lakers. So that's a little bit more of an incentive to go check that show out wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. First positive we have to go with. I'm not ignoring Mikhail Bridges, but we're getting to him in the last segment. Bridges' breakout watch is saved for last. The best for last. If you've been here before, you know that. We will get to it. I'm not ignoring the man, but just give me a second. Firstly, most importantly, shooting. I mean, the Suns, I think like I I want to look at this game mostly through the perspective of the playoffs because a lot of people were, were noting, and I agree, this felt like a playoff atmosphere, whether it was Markeith Morris um, jawing at Suns players, whether it was the officials involving themselves the way that they did just the physical play in general, a lot of this stuff, LeBron James bringing his A game seemingly, although that's just sort of a normal night for him in some ways, a lot of that environment around the game felt big. And so I want to look at it through that lens because I think um, it's one of the only recent games we've had where we can do that. I mentioned the Suns taking care of business. And at the end of the day, that's what this was. They beat a weakened Lakers team and they should have. But it, it can still teach us some lessons. And as I said, the shooting is number one. They shot 55% from three, the Suns did. They got to the free throw line 25 times. So despite Booker not, not getting the calls that he wanted and, and leaving the game, as a team, surprisingly, yes, I think you know some of those were late or different scenarios. Um, Chris Paul gets to getting to the line a bit, which was nice to see. And then Charge and Bridges really attacking the rim and doing a nice job there. So they make 22 of those. They're bound to make the free throws. I've been saying it all year. If they get to the line, they're going to make them. They're an excellent free throw shooting free throw shooting team, and they did that again. So 88% from the free throw line, and then 49.5% basically from the field. So pretty close to a 50-40-90 game from this Suns team. And like I said, they're go- going to have nights where they can do that. It's just the reality. You know, we've talked a lot on the negative of that, of we don't want to see the Suns team be too reliant on the deep ball because, you know, it can get them out of rhythm on offense. You're subjecting yourself to randomness a little bit. You don't want to be the 2018 Rockets, which Chris Paul is very familiar with despite being injured in that game. Obviously, seeing the from the sideline, the Rockets missing 27 threes or whatever it was consecutively to end their playoff hopes. That can be the downside. The positive, though, is that you're going to have nights like this. You just are. You put to, you put enough shooting on a roster, and even in big games, even against good teams like the Lakers are, you're going to have games where your shooting wins you the game. And that's, you know, maybe too simple, but at the same time, a major reason why the Suns won. So it just is worth mentioning. The other part of the offense that was really working, and, you know, I, I'm not ignoring the connection, the obvious connection that assists and three-point makes have. We know that that's how basketball works, right? Like, if a team makes a lot of threes, odds are you're going to have a night where you have a lot of assists because almost all three-pointers are assisted. 
even if you have a player on your team who can make pull-up threes, that's going to be a handful a night. Almost every three-pointer made is assisted. I get that. Nevertheless, Suns made 16 threes. If you assume all of those were assisted, they still had 30 total assists, so that's almost twice the amount of made threes. They had the ball moving. You saw the Dario Saric, Mikhail Bridges two-man game was really working, especially late in that fourth quarter to put the Lakers away. You saw um, Chris Paul obviously doing his thing. He hardly had to try to score the ball at all, 10 assists tonight, and we still have not seen the absolute best where Paul is 100% as a scorer and a playmaker and the rest of the team is doing its thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a 140-point night from this team, whether it's now or some night in the playoffs when that shooting does come alive. It, it, it is there. It is within the realm of possibility for this team just with how much offensive firepower they have. But 30 assists tonight to just 12 turnovers is just huge. It's really important part of what Monty Williams wants to do, and I think it goes to show that this offense is is vastly improved from where we saw it at the beginning of the year when they were in the mud a little bit, I think it's fair to say. The other thing I just you know want to mention is to highlight again the taking care of business aspect of things. It was a point Dwayne Wade made in the halftime show, and it's just something the Suns last year could not do. I think about the Hornets game a lot on the road, I believe in December of last season, where the Suns had a big lead, let it slip in halftime. They actually needed, they did win it. They needed a miracle comeback, including, I believe, at least two threes from Kelly Oubre. And it just is a game that I think of a lot when I think of how uh, easily dismissed a lead could be for opponents playing the Suns. It was very easy to come back on this team. It was very easy to take advantage of them. They uh, didn't feel comfortable in the lead, I feel like, a lot of the time. They were learning how to win, learning how to build those good habits. We've saw we've seen that sometimes this season, too. It's a lot less of an issue now. And the Suns have taken care of business when they've needed to, beating worse teams, beating injured teams. Because, again, this was not just Anthony Davis missing tonight. This was Kyle Kuzma and Marcus Gasol as well. Um, and just a, a whole lot of the, the Lakers' identity just not really able to show itself with the absences that they had. And so all of that means that the Suns should have won this game, and they did, capably. Never really looked back after taking a lead in the first quarter, 29-21. to And I think it's just important. They did it against Minnesota and Chicago. Those are definitively worse teams, and they did it again against the Lakers. They They were not intimidated by this team or going on the road or Staples Center or, oh, you know, seating or... No, they played their game, did what they've been doing, and walked away with another win. And that's really important. I mean, you have to win these games just like you have to win the big ones. And so um, it's not sexy. It's not any broad technical thing here. But it's obviously very vital when you think about the ultimate achievements this team could uh, have in 2021. Another quick break here, and then we'll get into Bridges Breakout Watch and our new Dario Charge segment. But first... A quick word from our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is wrapped up here, although I would be checking out like early favorites for rookie of the year, come NFL draft time. I might even check out MVP odds. Maybe you want to put some money on Kyler Murray if you're a Cardinals fan. I don't know. I'm just saying football is never 
a bad thing to bet on. It's just the games are over. That doesn't mean anything. College basketball tournament season is here. The NBA and NHL every single night in baseball is pumping up as well. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV odds. They have real-time updated betting odds and props on just about anything that you can imagine. Best of all, Bet Online is free to sign up meaning that you can just head to their website at betonline.ag or download their mobile app. Sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. So again, head to betonline.ag or download the BetOnline mobile app. Sign up today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's all one word, the name of our network, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Wrapping up here with two nightly recap segments. One new one, one that I honestly do every single time. And I appreciate that you guys like it. First, a reminder to check out Chad's Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, our NBA draft show and general NBA show, courtesy of the great Chad Ford, formerly of ESPN. That show is in full form. You do not want to miss it this time of year. Get the latest on March Madness, how the draft is shaking up, the G League Ignite team, how did they look. John Hollinger joined Chad Ford this week for a scout of those guys. And as we get closer to the draft, Chad's intel is still rock solid, and he has great stuff, as he always has, dating back to those ESPN days. Check that show out wherever you listen to podcasts. But let's get into our Bridges Breakout Watch. And I obviously am going to highlight the 19 points for Mikhail Bridges tonight, three of six from three. Very good stuff. But we've seen him do that. We would like to see it more consistently, I think, if we're mapping out the best-case scenario for the Suns. But I'm going to even gloss over that because we have seen scoring nights like this. His season high is 34. This is not even cracking that realm. What I want to highlight is... I mentioned the two-man game with Dario Saric, which I think when he has a passing big man on his team, and you know, I I don't want him to leave Phoenix because I love watching the guy, I love covering the guy, but imagine him with like a Nikola Jokic. I was just thinking about that today, but he does plenty of damage with Dario and with Frank Kaminsky. That was at full effect. That was a good, a big source of his five assists tonight. So that's one thing. We've also, though, seen that. What we haven't seen and what I think we can continue to see that we saw tonight is playing like a big man a little bit, playing like a four. And I've I've harped over and over. We've talked about trade candidates, buyout candidates, even talked about Jalen Smith in this capacity of a player who is at the forward spot, who can protect the rim, make some of those athletic plays, because I think the just the, one of the most valuable things in the NBA today is not like we've we've gotten over the stretch big man concept, I think. And it's, especially for defensive players, it's the mobile, versatile, switchable type of like big forward. So think like Pascal Siakam. To me, that type of defensive weapon, LeBron James even, that weapon, that type of player is probably, to me, one of the most valuable defensive guys or types of guy that there is in the league and it's something I think is within reach for bridges and we saw it tonight especially on the glass only six rebounds but three offensive boards 
And it's similar to what, what I've said about him finishing. If he gets to the rim, he's going to put the ball into the hoop because his arms are so long, he's smart, he's athletic. He can finish if he commits to it, I think, at, at a, an incredible rate. 60 70% of his shots if he commits to building out that part of his game into attacking consistently. Same with the offensive glass. If he can be around the basket, seek out those opportunities, and Monty and the coaching staff can give him the green light to pursue that, I think he can be a real weapon on the glass, offensively and defensively. We didn't see it tonight, but an extension of this would be the blocks. And I talked early in the season, it was a very big thing. There were For about a week or so, he was averaging multiple blocks a game. Very, very much gone down since then. He's not really in those positions as often. When he plays with Crowder, he's really more of a three, whereas you know sometimes when he's out there with with Cam or maybe even Nader at the three and he's sort of a four and he's matching up with bigger players. He is around the rim a little bit more. I know that's a hard thing to do. It's probably very low on the list of priorities when you're crafting a game plan is to have Bridges be around the basket because for the most part, he's on the perimeter. We saw him defend Dennis Schroeder tonight quite a bit. That's the type of thing he's usually asked to do. That doesn't correspond with you know protecting the rim. If there's some way to, to manipulate that though, I think it's an option that could be pretty valuable for this team. I'm no genius. I'm not saying it makes all the sense if you're playing a team with a guard who scares you, but maybe if you're not, that can be something that we see more of, whether it is the glass, whether it is attacking the rim on offense, whether it is blocking shots, seeing more of Mikhail Bridges as a four-man would continue the breakout, even if tonight was an incredible step in the right direction. Dario Saric is our next one, and I'm going to just name this segment, Is It Too Late for Dario Saric to Win Sixth Man of the Year? It's a long one. I appreciate you bearing with me. You don't have to repeat it back to me, but that's what we're going to call it because it's a question that I want to ask. Jordan Clarkson has the thing in the bag. I know I'm probably being tongue-in-cheek. We'll see. I might convince myself by the end of the year that he should win this thing. Tonight was a huge uh, highlight reel. If they were, if he was up for an Oscar, this would be the game that they would submit as his, uh, as his claim to fame, as as the one that he should be judged for, because he was incredible. Closed this game over DeAndre Ayton, although you know that 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 group was was grooving. I'm not going to read too much into it. I don't think this is going to be the the new normal for this team. But he played into the fourth quarter, was part of the guys group of guys that put the game away late. Scored 21 points on 17 shot attempts, made his threes, got to the free throw line, as I mentioned before, had that two-man game working with Mikhail Bridges, and defensively was was exactly what you would you know want. You know, nothing with the Lakers playing a lot of like Damian Jones minutes and Montrez Harrell minutes and Markeith Morris minutes. It was not the biggest challenge for Dario, but I don't think it's unrealistic to imagine a world in which Montrez Harrell, you know, goes off on this guy. And that's a difficult sort of matchup for Dario if, if Trez has it going. And and Charge was just able to do his thing. He didn't back down for Markeith Morris, who was, uh, again, jawing at him a little bit, especially late in the game when there was no reason. You could see Dario just be like, I, I, I think I read his lips and he said, come on, man. It's like, what do you have to say right now? You're about to lose this game. Uh, I love that about Dario. He just doesn't get in his own head about things. He's plays so freely, especially since coming to Phoenix. And this, tonight was just such an example of, of why he's such a good player. And 
if he can keep scoring and and this becomes a real fixture in the rotation, can stay healthy, I don't know if he can get it over Clarkson. I think that vote is already sort of solidified. But man, if he's not going to do his best to get there, what a fun game. 21-5-3 from Dario, 26 minutes, and uh, probably his best game of the season, I would I would say. He had 19 a couple weeks ago, but that was garbage time. This was really contributing to a win in a much-needed game and uh, getting right after some of those injuries and COVID situations that he's had to deal with. So so awesome to see that from him. That will close us out. Again, 114-104 victory. I'll be back tomorrow with a guest to talk with me. We only have one more game this, this stretch, and I want to get as many shows kind of taking stock of this team at the halfway point as possible and starting to think about what comes next. You know, playoff ideas, trades, buyouts, all that stuff. This team is a deep playoff contender, and we we need to start thinking about them this way. So we'll be back talking more about that stuff on Wednesday. Until then, enjoy, or we will be back, sorry, on Thursday with that show. Until then, enjoy your Wednesday.